Today we're starting a brand new series, and uh, this series is called Authentic. This is going to be our series throughout the summer, and, um, and it's going to be focused on the book of James. Every year, I, I like to, about at least once, sometimes twice a year, really just preach through an entire book of the Bible. We've done several uh, so far, uh, and, but this summer we're going to focus our teaching through the book of James, and it's going to help us at how to live authentically for Jesus. And I hope that this series will inspire you, and it will inspire your faith by also inspiring your actions. Um, the book of James was written by James. It was not a trick question. The book of James is actually a letter written by the, the half-brother of Jesus, James. Uh, this letter was not written to a specific church like some of the other letters we read, uh, especially in the Pauline epistles, but the book of James is a letter written to a broader audience, but of early Jewish Christians around Jerusalem, because James was con considered to be really a pastor. James was a, a spiritual leader in the church, in the, in, the, in the kind of the greater area of Jerusalem, and he writes in this letter. But what's interesting, though, is that in the earlier life of Jesus, Jesus' half-brother James actually didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. You can read this in John chapter 7, that Jesus' brothers, they didn't believe that Jesus was really the guy that we know him to be. But upon Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, James had a transformation. And ultimately, he became a leader in the early church and made a huge difference. And we'll read some, a lot of his writing in the next six weeks starting today. Uh, um, James, um, uh, he, uh, let's see, uh, the book of James is also considered to be maybe one of the earliest texts in the, written in the New Testament. Uh, something, it, it could be Galatians, but it could be James. So James might have been one of the first texts written that is compiled in the New Testament. It is, the, the, the earliest date of James could be dated as early as uh, 50 A.D., and what we know from Josephus, Josephus was a Jewish historian at the time. We know from Josephus' writings that James, this James, was martyred for his faith. In other words, because he confessed Jesus as his Lord, they ended up killing him for what he professed. And, uh, and we know that uh, James was martyred for his faith at AD 62. So he had already written, obviously, this letter uh, prior to that, and so it could be dated around 50 A.D. at that time. Uh, James wrote this letter to encourage these early Jewish believers and who were suffering an incredible amount of opposition and experiencing a variety of challenges for their faith, and how ironically that ultimately James would lose his life for what he believed. And also he wrote to correct some wrong ideas, as well as challenge the believers at the time to practical aspects of faith put in action, which involves right living and good works. And so I would encourage you uh, throughout this time, I mean, in your devotions, read the book of James along with us and uh, bring your Bible to church and, and you can uh, follow along in that way. 
but uh, we'll always have the scripture on the screen, but if you would like to follow along in a, in a paper Bible in front of you, there are the orange Bibles in the seats in front of you. Uh, you can grab one of those if you like, and also, if you do not own a Bible, and this, this invitation is there every single Sunday, if you don't own a Bible, I want you to take that orange Bible in front of you, I want you to write your name in it, and that is yours, a gift to you from New Life Church. So we are in James chapter 1, verse 1, and this is where we're going to start, and, uh, and if you're in the orange Bible, you will be on page 825, and, uh, and here's what it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 uh, tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. And so this is James' opening uh, kind of introduction uh, to his letter to the early Jewish Christians in that day. So today's message uh, is entitled, The Bench Test of the Believer. The Bench Test of the Believer. A bench test is simply this. A bench test is the critical evaluation of a new or repaired component, device, apparatus, etc., prior to the installation to ensure that it is in perfect condition. And I would assume that because we are in an, uh, 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 what, what we call it, AW, uh, help me, Dan, AUW, UWA, help me. UAW, we're in a UAW town. WWE, I don't know, what, what is it? <laughs> we are in a UAW town, so uh, auto workers, uh, lots of engineering, lots of things happen in Kokomo. We're the city of first, come on, have a first car, let's go. And uh, so I would imagine that many of you and some of you and your time at Chrysler or, or Delco, Delphi, whatever it is today, uh, 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 GM, that there has been, you have likely maybe uh, done bench testing of various devices that have been either uh, created, manufactured, or invented right here in Kokomo. So, so I know I don't have to explain this to a lot of you, but a bench test is simply, obviously, taking a component um, and uh, sometimes literally putting it on the bench and, and running measured tests on that device. Sometimes even forcing the device to fail so that you can then evaluate what makes it fail and how to make it better. And you do the bench testing to, in a measurable way so that you can know that that device is perfect, it's complete, and it's ready to be put in the game. It's ready to be put in the car, it's ready to be put, in, that electronic component is gonna stand the test of time, and uh, we bench test these things so we know that they're right and they're ready and they're able. Well, there's a bench test of believers. And it, and it too is a, a series of tests, observing sometimes even failures and corrections that perfects us and makes us ready for use and to be bigger, better, stronger. And James speaks of this in the very next verse. And this is what he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I don't know about you, but every time I read that verse, I think James is just a little crazy. Consider it pure joy when you suffer, is what he's saying. And I'm like, you're crazy, dude. 
Consider it pure joy when you face trials and when you suffer. It's because suffering produces. Suffering produces things in our lives. And uh, um, the, and the bench test of the believer is, is this, is that the hardships we face are, is the bench test of the believer. Like, like maybe, maybe God's been teaching you something in your life. Maybe there's a new principle uh, of patience that God is wanting to teach you. And then you know how God helps perfect patience in your life? He puts somebody really annoying in your path you know, you know when, when God is maybe trying to teach you about controlling your anger a little bit? You know how he's going to bench test you on that? He's going to give you opportunity to overcome it and to be tested and become bigger, better, stronger. You know how God is going to test every area of your mental capacity? He'll make you a parent. <laughs> He'll, yeah. The bench test of the believer is something that many of us believe we should never face, never have to have in our life, because I accepted Jesus and my life should be perfect now. He's awesome. He is awesome. But suffering is a teacher. It's the bench test of the believer. James is writing to the early church Jewish, believe, Jewish Christians in Jerusalem Many, many, many of them have faced persecution that forced them to leave the city and disperse outside of the city. We can read about this event that takes place in Acts chapter 7 when their friend Stephen was arrested for preaching Jesus. Stephen stood trial for preaching Jesus, and Stephen was stoned to death by rocks for not denouncing Jesus. And in Acts chapter 7, there is a shift that takes place in that book. The book of Acts begins by saying that, that, that Jesus says, you know, if you wait here for the promised Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and 6 are all in Judea. Acts chapter 7, Stephen is stoned to death it causes the believers to scatter from the city, and from that moment, the gospel, because of their scattering, begins to spread. And so these people, they know what suffering is. They know what persecution is. And James it writes them, he says, consider it a joy. A joy when you face suffering, and adversity. James encouraged them with this. Be happy because suffering produces results. So the first thing I want you to know is that adversity is the means by which we grow. So many of us in our lives, every time we face adversity, we go running. We're trying to avoid adversity. We, 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 when we, uh, many times, in our immaturity, when we face adversity, we somehow blame God for the adversity, 
or we use the adversity as evidence to see to say that God is not good, therefore I will run from God because I faced an adversity. But rather, adversity is the bench test of the believer. Adversity is the means by which the believer can grow and mature. Because you can say you're patient, you can say you're kind, you can say, the, uh, you can say you're a follower of Jesus, you can say these things all you want, but it is only real when it is practiced in reality. And you don't need to practice patience until you have an opportunity to not be patient. You see, adversity is the means by which we grow. Again, look, look what James says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith produces. It produces perseverance. Then he says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be made mature and complete and not lacking anything. There's some immature believers running around because they, when they faced adversity, they didn't choose to persevere. They chose to fold. They chose to wallow in their sorrows. Woe is me, my life's hard. God must be ignoring me. I am cursed. There's a dark cloud over my life. No, no, no. Adversity is the means by which we grow. I can't, if, if, if I were to just begin to tell you story after story after story of how in my life personally that the strength or, or the, 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 the knowledge, the wisdom, that I, the little bit that I might have, I only have because I faced an adversity that I had to overcome. I had to learn it. I had to apply truth when I just really wanted to fold. Adversity is the means by which we grow. It's like when someone is training physically, maybe training for a 5K, training for a half marathon, or trying to uh, build the strength in their body. Uh, we do something called resistance training. That's what weightlifting is. That's what getting on the machine at the gym is. You are offering resistance to your muscles that ultimately, well, you know like when you're sore after lifting? Some of you are like, what? <laughs> yeah, when you lift, yeah, you get sore. That soreness is because the muscles have actually torn by lifting, by the resistance. But then that tearing heals and you become stronger. And so then you add more resistance. Well, the bench test of the believer is that when you're met with resistance, but you choose to persevere anyway, you're made bigger, better, and stronger. It's the means by which we grow is resistance training. And then later on in chapter four of James, well, James will say, and resist the devil and he'll flee. Well, man, how do I resist the devil? Well, you gotta start with resisting smaller things and work your way up. Man, I don't know why, this, this is... I don't know if you've ever noticed before, but you could have two people experiencing the exact same life circumstances. One is in absolute decay, and one is still surviving and thriving. 
Exact same circumstances. Why, why is that? Because one said, I will choose joy and I will persevere. Adversity is the means by which we grow. So when you are facing adversity, here's a couple of good things to do. The first is to ask a question. And that question is, 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 is what is God trying to teach me? When adversity comes, if the adversity is a means by which we can grow, then when we face adversity, the question should be, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? But many times we say, God, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> but if we see it as an opportunity for learning, that there's, some, there's an area of our life that we can grow, God, what are you teaching me? And I promise you, it will help you persevere when that becomes your mentality. There was a time in ministry that I, w- I won't describe to you, but it was honestly a dark season of ministry for me, and uh, it, it was, a, a, I mean, I'm talking, it would wake me up in the middle of the night, I'd pace my living room, uh, I, I really, really was, was struggling uh, interpersonally, I was struggling mentally, physically, you, you name it, I, I, was, I was really, really in a very difficult, dark place in this season of ministry. And I remember saying, God, I don't know if you're trying to teach me something or if you're trying to kill me. Just do it quickly. Because I had just reached an end where I realized I either need to learn how to conquer this or (laughs) this will be the end of me. And I had to decide, is this going to ruin me or is this going to renew me? And I chose renewal. And, I, and, and this is when I realized, oh, adversity helps build me. It helps grow me. So God, what are you trying to teach me? Just do it quickly, because sometimes it's painful. The second thing that you can do is take delight in times of difficulty. Yeah, it's as crazy as what James said. Consider it pure joy. And here's the reason why. Because the problems we face can produce positive outcomes if we have the right attitude. The wrong attitude will only make you worse. And and that's easy. It's easy to get smaller, weaker. It's easy. Just don't resist. Don't persevere. But if you want to be bigger, better, stronger, then you have to learn how to resist or, in other words, persevere in times of adversity. So, so really then, adversity, that what James is saying, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because if you persevere, it, 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 it will produce, or if you, if you choose this joy, and it will produce perseverance in your life then the second thing I want you to know is that adversity then is actually an opportunity. It's an opportunity to be put on the bench, to, to, be, to, 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 to go through the bench test process. And, it, and it, whatever adversity you're facing right now, maybe God is waiting to see, did you learn the last thing he was trying to teach you? Are you going to be faithful with what he's asked you to do or not? It's the bench test. Adversity is an opportunity. It's, if adversity is the means by which we grow, then when, it, then when it comes, 
we now can see adversity as an opportunity for God to do a work in us, and it's actually maybe, it's not as a, a misfortune after all. Maybe it's opportunity. Listen to what Romans says. James isn't the only crazy person saying this in the scripture. Look at Romans. Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Nobody does this well in our day and age. When people suffer, they'll let you know. When people suffer, they'll find someone to blame for their suffering. But Paul says, we glory in our sufferings because we know, because Paul's saying, adversity is an opportunity, so when we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God loves, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Do you see the progression here? We are faced with suffering and adversity. But when we persevere, the, we, we only learn perseverance because there's an opportunity to suffer. It's only through persevering through suffering that God builds character in our life. And let me tell you, God wants every man and woman to be a man and woman of character. Godly character of integrity, of strength and faithfulness. There's only one way to get there, through suffering. So this is what I want you to know, that there is hope, because hope flows through suffering. The ultimate hope is the hope that is found in Jesus. The only reason that Jesus is the only hope for all of humanity is because he suffered. And he suffered on that cross, nails in his hands and his feet, whipped and beaten, and he gave up his life, spear through his side, and he was put in the grave. Hope flows through suffering. You'll never need hope if you never suffer. And our hope is in the Lord. Adversity will come. You will face hardships in life. Facing a hardship is not God being displeased with you. Facing hardship is not you must have done something wrong and God is, is giving you some kind of consequence. I will tell you we will face consequences of our, of our decisions. It is true. But to blame every hardship on God would be wrong. Because if we need to glory in this kind of hope, then we also will face suffering. And suffering produces perseverance. And if you persevere, you will build character. And character, hope. And everybody needs hope.
problem with the weak is that the weak haven't suffered. But the strong are only strong because they persevered. You show me a strong marriage and I'll show you two people that were committed to perseverance. You show me a marriage that might be struggling and I would say your struggle in this relationship is an opportunity to persevere. And if you, if you both choose perseverance, the marriage will be made stronger. You ask anybody that's been married far longer than me, Jenny and I, we will celebrate 16 years of marriage this fall, but I still feel newlywed because I still don't feel like I know what I'm doing some days. I would say it took me 10 years to probably learn a little bit. So today I might know a little bit more. But when you talk to people that have been married 35, 40 years plus, they, will, they could tell you stories of perseverance and how it made them stronger. And I would tell you the only reason that Jenny and I's marriage is strong today is because we put Christ at the center and we chose to do hard work in the relationship. And the same goes for you in any area of your life. Adversity is an opportunity that something can be produced in your life. And ultimately, character and strength, the strong persevere. Suffering and perseverance are really the two main ingredients of growth. People say, I wanna grow in my faith. I wanna grow in the faith. I wanna grow in the faith. I'm like, yes, we all need to grow in our faith. And nothing causes growth like suffering and perseverance through that suffering. There are two main ingredients. So don't run from suffering. Um, I don't go looking for it either. But it does have a way of finding me. And when it does, having a different mindset of suffering, I think will help you to see that maybe this adversity is an opportunity that, that this is the bench test of the believer. Every believer will face it. It's the bench test of the, of the believer. That are you truly kind? Are you truly patient? Are you truly loving? Are you truly forgiving? Because we know that forgiveness is at the heart of Christianity. Until you have to face a moment where you have to choose to forgive somebody that wronged you and somebody that you think doesn't deserve it. That's hard. Adversity is an opportunity. So when we face uh, adversity, when we are in the middle of suffering, James says it's important to seek wisdom. Seek, number three, seek wisdom. This is what it says in James in the, in, the, in the fifth verse here, the next verse. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Because when we are in the midst of suffering and adversity, we need wisdom to know what to do, do we not? Absolutely. Well, wisdom is putting the right knowledge to the right action. And that's really the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is knowing, and you can know stuff all day long, but true wisdom is not knowledge, it's doing, it's action. Knowledge is education, but wisdom 
is application. You could have some of the smartest people, scholarly, very well educated, but not wise. And you could have people that are quite wise, but they may not have the scholarly credentials as another. It's because they learned through experience, like suffering, on how to apply knowledge in the right way. And sometimes the adversity we face gives us an opportunity to learn how to apply the knowledge. It's the bench, it's the bench test. Okay, here's the adversity. Here's the struggle at work. Here's the struggle in a relationship. Here's the struggle within your church community. Here's the struggle here. There, whatever the struggle. Now we need to apply wisdom in the adversity. Of how am I going to apply what I know? Well, I know the Bible says this. How do I apply it? That takes wisdom to know how to apply the knowledge. So James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. He gives it generously without finding fault. Because really, also this on wisdom, wisdom is the spiritual capability to see and evaluate our circumstances from God's point of view and choose what is right according to his purpose. Get wisdom, get wisdom. So consider it pure joy, New Life Church, when you face trials of many kinds. Because I want you to know, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Suffering is the bench test of the believer. Can you apply what you know when the pressure is on and the suffering is strong? And it's likely a room of this size that, that there are some of us that are experiencing some form of suffering. Maybe the suffering you're facing could be financial suffering. And it takes wisdom to know how to persevere through financial struggle. So, so, you gotta, you, you, so in other words, wisdom would say, create a budget. Wisdom would say, uh, control the controllables, make some changes, sell the boat, Whatever, you know, it, it means doing and applying the truth. But, the, but one attitude could say, so, woe is me. I'm poor. God made me this way. Adversity is the means by which we grow. And maybe, maybe you're sitting here today and you said, man, you know, I am in that adverse situation in my marriage. We have talked about giving up. You don't get to be married 30, 40 years by giving up. You only get to that level by perseverance. So maybe this adversity is an opportunity for your marriage to be bigger, better, stronger. Maybe what has come to the surface in the relationship that you're having to face and deal with right now, and it may be painful, maybe it's so that you can be closer and more intimate and stronger together because you faced it. You could ignore it and run from it, but if you face it, you could be bigger, better, stronger. Adversity is the means by which we grow. And in James 1.12, and 
This is what he says. He says, blessed is the one who perseveres. So if you go ahead and persevere through your struggle, you'll be blessed. If you go ahead and persevere through the marriage together, it'll be blessed. If you'll persevere through that friendship, you'll be blessed. If you persevere with the work that God has put in front of you, you'll be blessed. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, through suffering, having stood the test, the bench test, and that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. The bench test of the believer is that when we face suffering and trials and difficulties, you just need to be on alert. Mm. This is an opportunity to display perseverance and grow in my character. So I will choose to forgive, even though it stings. I will choose to be faithful to my job, even though it stinks. I will choose to be loving and forgiving to that in-law of mine, because it's an opportunity to grow and become bigger, better, and stronger. And when you survive through the bench test, James says it like this. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you will be mature, complete, and not lacking anything. So after suffering has done its work, you've persevered, and you survived the bench test, God says, she's ready. He's ready to go. Release them to the purposes by which I have created them. Further opportunity and further suffering then continues. So how do you get to where you want to go? Perseverance. It's through struggle. It's the resistance that actually builds the strength. The bench test of the believer. So if you're suffering, you need hope. Perseverance builds character and character hope. If you're struggling, it's an opportunity. It's the bench test of the believer. We will all face struggle. And if someone's ever told you, man, give your life to Jesus, it's all gonna be hunky-dory. Butterflies and bubbles. Actually, welcome to the battlefield, dude. And you need to be equipped. You need the Holy Spirit, because this is hard. But if you do the hard work, God, God says you will receive a crown of life. You will be blessed because you stood the test. So if you're being tested, I want to tell you today, stand the test. Don't quit. Don't walk away and change your attitude today. James says, consider it pure joy. I say, just keep a positive attitude. Stay positive. Stay on the grind. Don't quit and be bigger, better, stronger. Let's stand together today. Father, I pray for every single person that is in adversity today. <clears throat> Maybe it's adversity in a relationship, a friendship, Maybe it's adversity in finance. Maybe it's adversity in career, in calling, whatever it may be. Maybe the adversity is an, is an internal struggle, a temptation they're facing. Lord, suffering is the bench test of the believer that you are finding out what we're made of, but we get to make a choice.
And so, Lord, may we choose a new attitude today about suffering and adversity. And may we see this as an opportunity that you are trying to grow us in an area of our life, that you're trying to make us uh, stronger where we are weak. And so it's a bench test. And may we persevere through the suffering and we would be people of maturity and character being made complete so that when you have tested the believers, you've tested our hearts, you will see that we love you with all of our heart and, we'll, we, and we are, can be trusted with your plan for our life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.